Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Think Big, Work Small with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo. In light of findings that 74% of all B2B and B2C buyers do their own research online before making a purchase, it's time for you to better understand how your customers make their purchasing decisions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the game changers, regardless of how big or small your business is, you are absolutely in the right place. Let's see what the buzz quote is today. I have a quote from a gentleman named Jeff Boss, Jeffrey Harlan Boss. I won't tell you anymore, but he's around and very interesting guy. And here's the quote I found. It will tell you a little bit about our topic today. Quote, it doesn't matter in which direction you choose to move when under a mortar attack just as long as you move. Just let's let think the think in, sink in, and clink in. And the answer is no, we're not talking about a war zone, but we're talking about data today. And you can get paralyzed by it. So that's our topic. Does your company come to a standstill when it's time to make a business decision? Why? Because you have got too much data. A few years ago, maybe you didn't have enough. Well, maybe now it is a tsunami, an overwhelming tsunami, a deluge of data. It might be coming through IoT sensors. It might be coming through all kinds of dashboards. But it's coming in, and it's a beautiful thing, except when you just say, what in the world do I do with it all? Well, if this is happening to you, you are not alone. Applying data is critical. It's crucial to making informed strategic decisions, and that's what you need to drive your business. But if you stop in your tracks and say, well, what data should we look at and how should we analyze it? What do we do with it? And you just stand still. You need to know what are the best practices and some of the metrics that will help you put your company on the path to what you need. Solid data-driven decision-making. Yes, we want you to use the data, but how do you make it work for you? I have a panel of three experts here on Think Big, Work Small, and we are very, very interested in speaking to them. Let me tell you briefly who they are, and then we'll get started with the opening quotes they sent me. First up, we're welcoming back a panelist who hasn't been on in a couple of years, but we're delighted to have him back. It's Dave Oxer. He is now the VP of North America Sales for Overland Tanberg. And his last name, if you want to look him up, is O-C-H-S-E-R Oxer. Joining him on the panel is a newcomer. She is Nicole Laster. She is the digital marketing producer at Brown Bag Marketing. And we have had Sela Masirian from Brown Bag on with us before. Nicole is her colleague, and we're welcoming her today. And we couldn't do the show without the lady who sponsors it, Lorraine Maurice, Senior Director of Global Indirect Channel Marketing at SAP. And she is our SME guru for all of our shows. So welcome, panelists. Dave Oxer has sent me a quote from, oh, get this, from Eastbound and Down, performed by, I'm hoping I'm doing a little accent here, Dave, performed by Jerry Reed in the 1977 film Smokey and the Bandit. And anybody who doesn't know the film, it was an American action comedy starring Burt Reynolds. Sally Field, Jackie Gleason, Jerry Reed, Pat McCormick, Paul Williams, and Mike Henry. It was the date directorial debut of stuntman Hal Needham. That's interesting. Uh, it also became a 1994 television series, Aha! Uh-huh, also from Hal Needham. It, interestingly enough, was the second highest grossing film of 1977. Dave, do you know what movie was the first grossing, the top grossing movie that year, 1977? Just a little trivia here. Uh, yes, Star Wars. 
Absolutely right on. Now let me read the quote. Thank you. I wasn't trying to trip you, but I had a feeling you'd know. Here is the quote David selected from Eastbound and Down. We've got a long way to go and a short time to get there. Dave Oxer, how have you been? Where have you been? Hey, good morning, Bonnie. I'm doing great. You know, uh, just half my life changed, and that was uh, changed jobs at a corporate perspective. But still, uh, my wife and I are still actively engaged in our yogurt store, which is a uh, SMB, and I've employed some great technologies. But things have been great. Uh, you know, that quote's really important to me because, like, you can apply that to anything, whether it's your personal life or your business life. You know, short, we have a, you know, when you, when you look at things that you have to do and things you have to get done, the best decisions are all around, you know, data, applying that data and making good business decisions. And you've got a time frame. Whether you're looking to do competitive products or you're looking to beat the competition or increase sales, whatever, there's always a timeline and it's always a rush and a hurry. So I'm glad to be back and, and share some of my comments and thoughts and some of the best practices we use that I take from a corporate level down to an SMB business. So thanks for having me back. Oh, Dave, I was delighted when I saw your name on the guest list I received from Lorraine a couple of days ago. Always happy. Remind me, what's the name of your wife's yogurt business? Let's just give her a shout-out. Come on, Dave. <laughs> uh, Nancy's Yogurt. She's the queen of yogurt in North Scottsdale, and the, the name of the business is Cherry on Top. Oh, <laughs> I forgot that. I like that. It sounds delicious. We'll have to go have a yogurt party at Nancy's. Thank you so much. And by the way, I, I noticed in your bio, Dave, that you are helping, you mentioned helping Nancy with with uh, dealing with data and with technology for her business. Um, are you her tech guru? Are you her strategic and analyst for the business? And does she welcome that kind of input from a guy who's in the business? Well, you know what, Bonnie, it's interesting. After 30 years, yes, I am CTO, CMO, COO, CSO, you name it. She's CEO, but I'm everything else. And, you know, it's, it's when you've got a small business owner, and Nancy's fortunate that we've been married 30 years, so she hears a lot about technology, mm-hmm. but she's like, I don't want to employ in my business because I don't understand it. I don't know how to work it. All I want to do is make my customers happy. And what yeah. I try and tell her is by employing these back-end tools, you have a better understanding of who your customers are so you can make them happy. So it's, it's an interesting relationship. Uh, it's been tested and tried at times, but we're still hanging in there after 30 years. <laughs> Well, congratulations on that. This is a long-lasting business marriage, and that's a different ilk of marriage. Thank you so much, Dave. Welcome back. And now let's welcome our newcomer, Nicole Laster at Brown Bag Marketing. I love the name of your company, Nicole. And Nicole has sent us a quote from harking way back to the days of Sherlock Holmes. Anybody who's very young and never heard, seriously, The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes is a collection of 12 short stories written by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle featuring his fictional detective. Of Sherlock Holmes. It was first published in 1892, October 14th, and the individual stories were serialized in the Strand magazine between 1891 and 92, and the stories are not in chronological order, and they feature Holmes and Dr. Watson. Oh my. Here is the quote from the book, The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes. Quote, it is a capital mistake to theorize before one has data. And Nicole, I'm adding the second line to that. Insensible one begins to twist facts to suit theories instead of theories to suit facts. That's the full quote. Nicole Laster, welcome to Game Changers. How are you today? I'm doing wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. 
We're delighted. Talk to me. Are you a big fan of Sherlock Holmes? Have you ever read any of the stories? So I'm guilty for not reading any of the stories, but I am a huge fan of the movies, the TV shows, and all the different variations of it. Um, Who doesn't admire how Sherlock's mind works? Um, And I'm actually happy that you extended that quote because that's exactly why I picked it. Um, It's definitely something that's easier said than done, especially when you're able to pull data and alter it and analyze it in all these different ways. Sometimes when you theorize before you have the data, you make the data work for you rather than you shaping your theory around what the data is actually saying. Um, so I think that's a crucial step and something that everyone every single day has to step back and realize that we need to let the data give us the answers and not make it work for what we want to do. Very interesting. And, and Nicole, this sparked a memory in me. I haven't thought about this. I I won't tell you how old I am. Lorraine may have a guess. But um, many, many years ago, my family was out to dinner on Long Island. I I just moved to Durham uh, six months ago, but I I grew up on Long Island in in New York, and uh, I just left there after 35 years. But one day, South Shore, we had a summer house in Massapequa, if anybody knows the South Shore, and we were out to dinner, mom and dad and, and me and my sister, and we came out to the car in the parking lot, and there was a book lying on the gravel parking lot. I kid you not. It was about three inches thick. The cover had been torn off and what it was was a book of the collected stories of Sherlock Holmes. Somebody had dropped it. It had fallen off of the top of a car, out of a trunk, and I picked it up and I said, Mom and Dad, look at this. What is this? I opened it up and discovered what it was and I started reading the story. So that was my introduction to Sherlock Holmes. I thought that was very interesting. So there's a little sidebar. Very interesting. Um, Nicole, when I saw the quote you sent, I said to myself, well, our guideline to our panelists is not to send us a quote that's on the topic. We want it to be inspirational. And then the light bulb went off. Sherlock Holmes, he was calling it data. Sir Arthur Conan Doyle was calling it data in 1891. And I said, wow, what a great quote. It is inspirational. It's not about the kind of data we have today, but the facts were still important in his line of business. So thank you. Very interesting quote. Very well done and and welcome. And we have a lot more to hear from you today. And now let's get to the lady of the day, Lorraine Maurice, who sponsors this series. Lorraine, are we going to change the name of the series to something else? Uh, Changing the game for small to mid-sized business? is what were we going to name it remember <laughs> we're going to uh, uh, you know what all of a sudden you put me on the spot and I'm like sitting here going what is our new name uh, <laughs> we don't have one <laughs> we do I think it is uh, you know uh, right uh, changing the game for small to medium sized business it's all about how to use uh, marketing and marketing tactics digital marketing to make a difference uh, in your business that's what we're in small and medium business that's right. And you and I are going to get together and get that setup document over to the radio station as a heads up to air on our engineer. We are planning to get a new banner and a new voiceover for the intro to the show because we want to want to focus the title a little better. Lorraine has sent us a quote from Damon John. Anybody hasn't heard of him? The first name is D-A-Y-M-O-N-D, Damon John. He's the CEO of a clothing design company called FUBU, F-U-B-U. They have grossed so far over $6 billion in global sales. And what's important to me about him, Lorraine, before 
before I read the quote, is that Damon John grew up close to where I grew up, although he's uh, probably about two two decades younger, but he went to the same high school, Bayside High School, and Damon John used to travel into New York, and he used to see people selling these really cool knit hats in front of New York Penn Station, and they were asking like 20 bucks, and he said, wait a minute, hats for 20 bucks? And they put a little bit of fishing line on the top and tied it off to make a little poof on the top, and he said, wait a minute, I could do that better. So he went home and started making them and started selling them with his friends. And in one day at 10 bucks each, they made $800. And he went to his mom and said, hey, I have an idea here for some clothing for the cool kids, but I don't want to sell it at a high price. She ended up mortgaging and second mortgaging the house to fund his business. And he is now a motivational speaker. He has spoken at the White House on small business. He is one of the stars of Shark Tank on TV. You may have seen him. And a very wise investor, obviously. And he wears the most gorgeous clothes. Here is the quote Lorraine has selected from Damon John. And by the way, they're not sure of his birth date. It's either 1968 or 69. I don't know why, but there's a question mark on that. He's just young. Here's the quote. If you don't educate yourself, you'll never get out of the starting block because you'll spend all of your money making foolish decisions. Aha! I hope Bayside High School was was the core of that one. Lorraine, officially welcome. And Lorraine, tell me, how did you find this quote? Well, I found the quote because I've been following Damon, excuse me, John, uh, since last year. He spoke at a small to medium business conference that Uh SAP hosted. And I found him to be very authentic. Because he has oh, yeah. had a roller coaster of a career and ups and downs, and you know, and so I, as I follow him and how he makes uh, decisions and how he how he runs his business, I was like, oh, this is really incredible because he started out so small, and he's grown to so big. And when I look at small and medium businesses, you know, it's really about profitability for them, and then the choice of growth. And so, I I found the quote because I thought, you know, it really is about paying attention. And the story you gave is about him walking on the street and and seeing something that could be turned into something else. And that's the entrepreneurial spirit in a small and mid-sized company uh, that drives it. And actually doing it better. He was saying, I can do it better, I can do it cheaper, and I can capture that market. He was a disruptor, wasn't he, Lorraine? He just walked in and said, yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say, he was a huge disruptor disruptor. And not only was he a huge disruptor, but he was a huge disruptor to, to bigger companies. And that's the other thing. When you think about, you know, the opportunity of, you know, you know, compete competition, right? He he saw a, a way to disrupt. He saw a market. He saw a target audience. Um, and he saw a price point where he could truly disrupt the business. And, and that's, that's the vision that we always look for. There you go. And uh, when I use the word disruptor, I was thinking of, when I think of New York, of course, I think of Uber disrupting and completely almost smashing and upending the legacy investments in taxi medallions. And we think right. of Airbnb upending how you get your lodging wherever you are around the world and making a poke at the hotel industry and all kinds of things. And here this guy just walks up and says, I can do that better. I could do it cheaper. And he creates an empire in not that long a time frame. So very, very interesting. Thank you, Lorraine, and thanks for this great topic. You always come up with great topics for your shows, and I appreciate that. Now let's go around the table, and I'm wondering what Dave Oxer, where he is today and what he's drinking, and I don't want to know if it's a yogurt drink 
drink, but we're looking for something more along coffee or wine or champagne. Dave, what's in your cup and where are you calling from today? So, Bonnie, good morning again. I am calling from beautiful Scottsdale, Arizona, where it's normally nice, but it's about 40 degrees this morning, so it's a little chilly. But I've been drinking the same thing I've been drinking for years, and not to plug it, but I use a soda stream and I carbonate some purified water. I go out to my tree, and this time of year, the grapefruits aren't done yet, but the lemons are. So I put a little bit of lemon, a little bit of sugar, and that's my, or trivia, because I have to be healthy now, my wife says. That's what I'm drinking. <laughs> Nancy says Dave has to be healthy. We say Dave has to be healthy. Thank you very much. And, uh, yeah, I'm in Durham, and it's a little bit rainy here, expecting thunderstorms. Can't wait to see what that means. The weather changes every 20 minutes, so they say if you don't like it, just set your clock and, you know, look out yeah, the window 20 minutes later. I have some a trivia question I want you to think of. I don't know if you yeah. know this. But oh. I was raised three towns to the west of Massapequa. So think about that for a second. Three towns to the west. And I went Could to it Kennedy be Mer- High School? Could it be Merrick? Close. Okay. Belmore. I'm Belmore. Belmore. Merrick Belmore. Okay. South Shore of Long Island. Very interesting. Didn't know that. I, I was uh, born in Flushing, New York, and ended up, they, my parents built a house in, 19, I won't tell you when, <laughs> in, in Douglaston. Not the Douglaston where. Uh, McEnroe is. That's Douglaston Manor on Little Neck Bay, but the Douglaston above what became the Long Island Expressway years yeah, later. My, so My best friend lived in Douglaston for 20 years. Oh, my. Oh, my. Some secrets afterwards. We will. We will. Oh, yeah. I, I know where all the secrets are buried. Thank you very much. Interestingly enough, I met my around-the-block neighbor on Facebook about 10 years ago. We hadn't seen her spoken in many decades, and it turns out she lives in Durham. So I was here about a month, and she invited me to to uh, the Jewish New Year Rosh Hashanah dinner at her home. I opened the door. She she opened the door. She came. We just fell into each other's arms and and cried. We hadn't seen each other in in fifty years, if that tells you something, since our early childhood days. And it's a very small world, Dave. Thank you very much. It's getting smaller. Nicole Laster, where are you today? And what do you love to drink, Nicole? I am dialing in from Savannah, Georgia, so Ooh. pretty close to Florida, but we're not feeling the warmth right now, so it's been a little chilly. It was beautiful last week, but now we're hitting a cold front, so I'm drinking some a nice hot cup of coffee. Keep me warm and, tell, and energized, getting ready for the day. Tell me what kind of coffee. Does it have a label, a brand? What's your favorite? Um, I use just any type of flavored K-cup I can find. I drink my coffee black, so I like having flavors, but... I am drinking it out of a Starbucks mug from Chicago. I go I travel a lot, so I like to collect mugs from wherever I am. So they're nice little mementos that I get to use on a frequent basis. Very, very cool. Thank you very much. Happy to hear you're a K-Cup user. And Lorraine Maurice, where art thou? And what are you drinking today, Lorraine? Or what would you rather have in your cup? Oh, well, I'm drinking a very uh, diverse drink. I'm drinking a Virgin Bloody Mary. And it is a, what I call a breakfast in a glass. So what I have is some V8 juice, celery, cucumbers, a pickle, a piece of cheese, a piece of bacon, and it is breakfast in a glass. Are you serious? I have never heard of that. Cheese in the drink or on the side? Yes. No, on a skewer. I make a little skewer of like a little bit of cheese, maybe an olive, maybe a piece of uh, meat, put a piece of bacon in there, put a pickle spear in there, and... Put some cucumbers also on the on the skewer and 
you know, it's not what people probably think of as a traditional breakfast, but I enjoy it. I feel like I'm getting some vitamins, and uh, it's a refreshing start to the day. Well, there is a recipe on recipe, the numeral four living, recipeforliving.com for breakfast Virgin Mary. If you're a tomato juice for breakfast person and you like to give your morning breakfast beverage some zing, but you don't have time to make breakfast gazpacho, aha, you can very quickly throw together what is called a Virgin Mary, Bloody Mary without the vodka, without the vodka. And they just recommend the tomato juice, the Tabasco or Worcestershire, the horseradish, lemon juice, black pepper, celery, and it sounds like you have taken this to a whole new level. So we're going to have to rename it the Lorraine Maurice Breakfast Bloody Mary. I like without, that. Without the, yeah, you're, you're going to be famous after the show. So all of you need to know, Lorraine knows, Dave probably forgot. They don't let me anywhere near caffeine on radio show days. You know why? All I have is my cool, clear water. But with the rain coming down outside my window here, it looks like I could probably collect fresh rainwater instead of my water from the filtered pitcher in the refrigerator. I have a green mug because... The greenery never really went away. We didn't have much of a winter here in Durham. We did get cold, and we had snow, Dave. We had so much snow, I shoveled and made a mistake of shoveling. It was eight inches of snow piled up on the shovel. was about 14 inches, and it was heavy, double-wide driveway, front walk, back walk, sidewalk. There was a lot of snow to shovel. And then, surprise, surprise, I didn't know, 48 hours later, it melted. So there on me. But it was great aerobic exercise. So I have a green straw today in celebration of the greenery that is still green in the ground. And we're getting ready to get my landscaper in and put in a beautiful garden. So that's what I'm thinking of today. You're listening to us here on Think Big, Work Small with Game Changers, a.k.a. Changing the Game for Small to Mid-Sized Businesses. Eventually, we'll rename the show. But you know what we're thinking about. Our topic today is Cure for Analysis Paralysis? Question mark. Conquer your data! Exclamation point. We're speaking with Dave Oxer, Nicole Laster, Lorraine Maurice. We have a lot more to share with you, so don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. We're going to take a quick 90-second, but well, it's actually 90 seconds. It's neither quick nor slow. Whatever it is, don't even think of going away, because we'll be right back with a lot of insights for your business. So, Aaron, out. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Studies have shown that buyers in today's digital economy are spending more time online than ever before, discovering and researching products and services. As a result, it is critical for businesses like yours to learn how to locate and engage with prospects and customers in this digital space. Think Big, Work Small with Game Changers explores the impact of changing digital economy on small to medium-sized businesses. We'll define the challenges SMEs face to proactively connect with buyers on their digital journey and share proven strategies to put into action to be successful. Tune in to hear the experiences and insights of top sales and marketing thought leaders and practitioners as they discuss how the digital economy is reshaping the SME business world. Think Big, Work Small, presented by SAP, every Thursday on the Business Channel. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Think Big, Work Small with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Think Big, Work Small with Game Changers. That's exactly what we're doing, Thinking Big, Working Small for the SMEs in our global audience. Thank you to everyone around the world who took the time to listen to Game Changers Radio last year in 2017. Very proud to say we had almost 950,000 listeners all across the world, and we are delighted to welcome you if you're a newcomer today. Our topic today is cure for analysis paralysis, question mark, conquer your data, exclamation point. That's the answer. My special panelists are Dave Oxer, and he is at Overland Tanberg. I'm going to ask him for a minute, in a minute what that company does. We have Nicole Laster from Brown Bag Marketing, Alaska as well, and Lorraine Maurice. Dave, before we start the roundtable in earnest, why don't you just tell me what does Overland Tanberg do, please? So, good question. So, Overland Tanberg, we've been, our brand has been around 35 years, and basically what we are, we're a storage and archive company. Everything from the desktop, from the consumer base, to the SMB, SMB to enterprise. So, we store data. That's what our company does. Thank you very much. And, uh, Nicole, why don't you tell us, refresh our memory, what does Brown Bag Marketing do? Brownback Marketing is an integrated marketing firm, and we're based out of Atlanta, Georgia, and we really pride ourselves in trying to think from a strategic level from every aspect. You can add strategy and data to everything, whether it's creating a new logo, building a website, trying to figure out your target audience. Um, So we really enjoy working um, on the B2B side, B2C side for all different types of industries that really make up the Atlanta um, workplace. Thank you very much. Nice to have you. And now, Dave, let's look at your notes here. You sent me before the show for the roundtable. And here's an interesting topic we'll start with. And you make this pronunciation in capital letters. No data is created equal. Let me read a little more. Data is just information, good point, that needs to be gathered, ingested, analyzed, and acted upon to make informative business decisions. And you quote Carly Fiorina, the goal is to turn data into information and information into insight. Dave, please tell us more. Sure, Bonnie, you bet. So, you know, I'm interested, as I mentioned earlier, being in the corporate world and now being in the consumer world with my wife from a retail perspective, a lot of companies say, I've got some great data. And when you ask them, well, what type of data do you have? Well, I could tell you how many people came in my store every day. And this is kind of a uh, kind of a little bit of a knock on my wife a little bit. You know, she could tell me through register tapes and point-of-sale reporting that she had 150 customers through her store and mm-hmm. they bought, you know, 55 cups of yogurt or whatever that is. But to me, that's just data. And it's good data because it gives you an idea how many cups I need to order, how many people came through my store. But we employed a POS system, a new POS system, and now I could say I could see that 
60% of my customers are repeat, and the average sale is $8. So when I talk about no data is created equal, what I'm really saying is it's great to gather that data. It's great to, you know, back up that data, store that data, but you really need to act on it to make good data decisions. Mm-hmm. And that's what I feel this is all about, is being able to act upon the data that you have in front of you and make good business decisions. And there's lots of reporting software out there. Certainly, Lorraine, you know, the company she works for has some great software. But you've got to be able to understand that just taking that piece of data and looking at it, looking at it from 360 degrees, what other information can I gather or surmise and make business decisions, right? Not just how many customers I have in the store, but how many people have come back to see me and how many people haven't. And those people haven't, how do I go get them again? So that's what I mean by no data is created equal. You know, data is just data until you really do something with it. And, and you have to understand and, you know, certainly look at other industries and markets out there and see how they're using data in similar markets. Thank you, Dave. Great, great overview for that. And uh, we really boiled it down to the basics. It's just data. But what in the world are you going to do with it? Speaking of which, Nicole Laster at Brown Bag Marketing, love to get your thoughts on what Dave just introduced. Agree or disagree? I completely agree. Um, Like I mentioned earlier, even with my quote, data can be sliced, diced, pulled a number of different ways. And what you do with that data and how you implement it is what gives you the results or prevents you from reaching opportunities or acting upon opportunities. Um, And what Dave said, too, is, and what I mentioned also just in my notes sending to you, is that the data should be looked on both on a macro and a micro level. So Mm -hmm. on the micro level, they're noticing the, you know, exact number of people coming into the store, maybe on what day, but on a macro level, and when you step back and look at those trends, you're noticing that 60% of your customers are repeat customers that's showing you that you're doing something right and maybe um, implementing a different type of program, like a loyalty program to even entice the 40% that are not coming back to come back and join that 60%. So I definitely think how you implement the data makes the world of a difference. Thank you, Lorraine. Love to get your thoughts. Please join us. Yeah, I'd like to add on to, to, to Nicole and Dave. And what I what, what I think the, a point that Dave made as well is what's the data needed to meet your business objectives, right? It's not necessarily how many customers came in. It probably goes to the, the profitability needed to sustain and grow your business. So I what I would say is that you first need to sit down and put the foundations into place of what your end objective is, how, what data you need to get to your end objective. And then it goes into different um, criteria of understanding your customer's journey and, and how to get that, you know, what, what it takes to get them, you know, to, to make the move to where you need them to be. And then it does go to tools and resources. And then it also includes your employees. So uh, to just tie on, and I'm making this example up, but, you know, Dave said something about the average sale maybe being $8. And maybe in order to grow business, it needs to be at not 823 So how do you have your employees help get that $0.23? Cents? Do they add an extra topping on the yogurt? So mm-hmm. as what my point being is first you need to understand what your business needs and then you need to work backwards, um, understanding the data, then your employee plan, your tools plan, and your customer plan. 
Thank you very much, Dave. I'm going to go back and ask you to wrap this one up, but I have a sidebar comment for all of you. Lorraine, you brought us this topic, and I would not hesitate for a moment to say that this is good learning for even big businesses. Seriously. It's called getting back to the basics. Would you agree with that, Lorraine? Oh, absolutely. It's, it, it, not only is it small business, big business, but it's personal business. At the end yes. of the day, to make a great decision, you need to know the data. Okay, let me tell you a little story. I moved to Durham looking for some new furniture, have a bigger house than I've ever lived in, more rooms than I know what to do with. Two of them are beautiful and they're closed off because I never go in them. Yes, and I was looking for some furniture. I was recommended, referred to a significant furniture store with a good reputation, went in, had a wonderful one-on-one meeting with their designer and a very kind salesman, and I went back and forth with fabric samples, was going to design a bed and pick out some tables for my entry, and I was very, very excited. And I kept saying, how can I pay you? How can I give you the deposit? And they refused to take a credit card or a check. They were going to send me something on email that I would do the payment online. And I agreed. They told me it was secure. No problem. Well, they sent it to me at a time when I was busy all weekend emceeing a big show here for my community. And I didn't have time, believe it or not, to go on email. By the time I got to the link on Monday, the link had expired. I waited five days. They never resent the link. The salesman never followed up. I had been in the store five times. They had my email. They had my phone. They had my customer file. They had every fabric choice. They had the price point for the furniture I was going to design. They knew everything about me. They knew my personality. They knew where I lived. Not a peep. I finally emailed them, had trouble getting the store email from their website. This is not a little teeny tiny mom and pop. No offense, David. This is a big furniture company. I got a reply from somebody. We're so sorry your salesman has been out sick for five days. We'll figure out what happened. They sent me another link to pay, and it was the wrong product. It was not the bed I had designed. It had different features. I emailed back and said, would you please fix the order? This is not what I wanted. And two days later, the salesman called me and apologized. This is now almost two weeks after I was ready to pay and order the bed. Consequently, I said to him, I can't trust you. I can't figure out what your store is doing, but you certainly have not given me confidence in you. You know where to find me. You know who I am. You know what my order was. You keep sending me links for the wrong invoice. I'm not going to pay it. He said he was so sorry he'd been sick. We left that phone call on the table. I never heard from him again. Dave Oxer, comments. That's why my Uh, comment was big business needs to learn about what to do with the data. What do you think, Dave? You know, I'll tell you, uh, that's not unusual. And I don't know if it's indicative of the society today, but that happens all the time, no matter where you go. But what I would say is you can't talk about data without talking about data storage and data security because... Mm -hmm. Once you understand what you're buying, what you understand, uh, buying, what you understand, what you're looking for, and how you're, you know, looking at data differently and storing data and taking all this creative data, it will become one of your most valuable assets of your company. And when you go to sell a company, everybody wants to know what does your customer look like, what do your cost mm-hmm. of sales look like, what do your inventory levels look like, and the more data you could provide, the more value, you know, your your company becomes. So I would say. Look at your data as as just as important as some of maybe your employees, maybe not, but pretty close because 
that data from an executive decision has to be available, and you've got to be able to know what that data is and report on it because it will become one of your most valuable assets that you as a business owner are going to rely on to make wouldn't you th- decisions. Wouldn't you think this would have gone into the pile of open sales that were not closed where a significant amount of store time had been invested in a customer who had driven back and forth many miles five times to work on yeah. figuring out the fabric for the headboard? Wouldn't you think somebody would have cared enough? So this would be data in the pile of lost a multi-thousand dollar order, right? Yeah, I would bet dollars to cups of yogurt that somebody's going to call you in six months and follow up and say, I have this lead, right? <laughs> Someone's going to do it. It always happens. And unfortunately, you have going to be have moved down the road to make your buying decision somewhere else. Absolutely. Nicole, any thoughts on that one? Just want to go around the table quickly before I get to some notes here from Nicole. Thoughts on using data for follow-up properly? Oh, absolutely. Um, as definitely with their, I'm sure, I wonder almost how many other people they've done this to. Oh, higher their margins could be as far yes. as actually, you know, following up using proper links or maybe even if using the data to say, hey, if most of our customers aren't clicking the link in five days, are we able to extend the link or have the link not expire so that our customers can pay at their own convenience? So I would be interested to see how many times this happened and what that impact has been over the years of not only first time business, but repeat of business of having to go through this. Thank you. Very interesting perspective. Lorraine, thoughts? Um, what poor customer service. So Thank I you. agree with everybody that the data could prove how to increase their business. What's sad is that that situation is what causes a lot of um, businesses to close. And then that actually drives the data of, uh, you know, the business community, both locally and, and, and nationally, of what's happening and globally. So I think it all ties together because to the point Nicole made as well, if you check the data, how, how many times that happened and then check it against, you know, your profitability, it probably shows a dim picture. Yeah, very interesting. Thank you. And thank you to my three panelists for indulging my sidebar comment. But I thought it'd be a good spark for conversation about data that is literally in the hand of the retailer. And by the way, whenever I went to the store in the evening to do the fabric selection and they let me take them home and I had to bring them back 48 hours later, it was it was fair, the, the swatches. I was typically one of only one or two people in this huge, immense store in the evenings. The salesman was just standing there with nothing to do. I rest my case. We know why. Nicole, yeah, I know, I know. Bonnie, one more comment before you go on. And you happen to be an amazingly tech-savvy individual. Um, I am not a millennial. I know you're not a millennial. But the process (laughs) as well, you know, um, of the email um, also is something they should look at the data. You know, and I mentioned that not only is it about data, but once you establish what you need, you need to look at your customer's journey. Um, I wonder how much business they're losing by using yeah. that process. Um, you know, it's I, I know a lot of people who would not be comfortable um, with not being able to, to, to use a different process. Thank you. Hey, I can't hey, tell Bonnie, you how many times I stood there with that credit card and said, can I give you the deposit now? And he said, no. Seriously, Bonnie, maybe no. He's over, maybe he's over his quota and he doesn't have accelerators <laughs> in the management team. He's changed <laughs> No, I don't think so, Dave. I really, really 
really don't think so. Thank you very much. Nicole, I want to go to some points from your notes here. And we've discussed this one a little bit. I think Lorraine mentioned it, but I'd, I'd like you to do a dive into it. You say, identify the key points for decision-making ahead of time to become avoid becoming overwhelmed by the data. And then there's a flip side to that. You say, once a decision has been made, the process is not over. Analyzing the results will help you improve decision-making in the future. So you're talking about the before and the after. Nicole, talk to us a little bit about this, please. Very interesting. Yeah, absolutely. So with analysis paralysis, there's definitely some key steps you can try to take to prevent it. Um, so one of those are looking at the problem you're trying to solve and identifying what will help us solve this problem. Do we need to figure out how many people are on this social platform, how many target audience members we have, or are we trying to hit a certain sales quota? And then pulling that information to see what you need to be able, um, like what data you need if you need to know how high your conversion rating is. So if you're trying to hit a sales quota, you need to know what your current conversion rate is so you know how many people to target to hit that. Um, and that will definitely help you from looking at data and saying, oh, well, maybe if I just knew this number two, or maybe if I pulled this number. And when reality, if you set those um, guidelines in the beginning, it will really help you set a game plan for the decision making and prevent your team from wanting to take those extra steps or prolonging taking action. Because then that's when you miss out on, op- on an opportunity or you act too late. So, thank you. Yeah, go ahead. Side, Mm-hmm. is um, really a lot of times we get into this habit of only looking at a decision when something goes wrong and you're trying to course correct or trying not to prevent from making that same mistake or that same decision. But you also really want to apply that same practice of analyzing the results of the decisions, even when it's a positive outcome. So identifying how you're able to reach that outcome and seeing if you're able to replicate that process or some of those steps that you took Um across other decision makings um, to help you increase the number of wins when making decisions and not just say, oh, phew, that one went, that one went well, we're good, and moving on. You definitely still want to take a step back and look to see what caused that outcome to turn out more favorable than maybe other outcomes. Thank you very much, Nicole. Good insights. And Lorraine, agree or disagree? Anything you want to add to that, please? You know, I just want to add the one thing that Nicole said. I don't think that each data point is exclusive. I think that they all go together. And again, I go back to setting a plan and then understanding when to trust and when to distrust data and then how that impacts your plan. So, uh, you know, looking at your sources, looking at your business plan, and then there is some gut intuition that I think comes Mm -hmm. into play is really important. But um, being able to to predict and using the indicators available to you um, are crucial. Thank you very much. Dave Oxer, love to get your thoughts on this. Are you a believer in looking at the key data points in advance and then following up to see what happened? Absolutely. I think that the most important thing to do is kind of what Lorraine said, trust but verify, right? Because Mm -hmm. data, again, is just data, but how you look at it and the Business decisions you make are critical. So I think you've got to look at the data points along the way. And it's important to know that just because you make a decision doesn't mean you can't course correct as the data or more analytic pieces come into play, right? So it's a journey. It's not just a point A, point B. You might take the curvy road, but at the end of the day, 
your data is, is becomes your data and it becomes more trustable as you course correct and you know, make business decisions according to that data. Thank you very much. Nicole, anything you want to add before I move on to something from Lorraine's notes, please? Definitely agree um, as far as verifying the data, making sure that what you're looking at is recent and accurate and not referring back to old data or, once again, doing things maybe how they always have been done. So keeping it fresh, making sure it's verifiable, and it helps make all the decisions better as you keep doing that. Nicole, do you need to hire a data scientist to do all of this? Or I usually ask Lorraine knows this. I usually get around to the people side of, of even a, a tech or a strategy topic like this one today. Whose job is it to look at this? We talk about don't get overwhelmed, set the key data, data points in advance before you make the decision, review the results, see if your data selection was on point. All great advice. Whose job is it? Let me just go around the table starting with Nicole. Who's supposed to do all of this? So I think that answer is really dependent on the actual organization. I'm going to say that anyone has the power to learn and to be able to analyze data on some level. Okay. Um, plenty of free programs and courses out there to help small, medium business size owners look at their company's analytics on their website, pull any type of social listening data. And these programs are wonderful because they're free. You're able to learn at your own level and they have different levels of courses and for different topics and industries to help you really understand the data and make powerful decisions for you. Um, I really encourage everyone at Brownback to understand and have a base knowledge of the basic analytics um, just so they're always thinking strategically and they're always kind of going back to, but what are the numbers showing? Obviously, as the corporation grows or the business gets larger and more complex, I think you do have to start to bring in certain types of skill sets that are more specialized, but I think really everyone should understand the basics so that way they're always making strategic business decisions. Thank you very much. Let's go around the table. Lorraine Maurice, whose job is it? Do you agree with Nicole? I liked her point of view on that. (coughs) Excuse me. I so agree. I think it's everybody's job, but it's based on the job and the position. So as a, a business owner or a business leader, it's important to look at the analytics as it, as it applies to your overall business. But for marketing, let's take that in a small business, and I'll use my brother as an example. He's constantly trying to get new students for his business, and he does that in a variety of ways. And so he looks at the data and the response rates from, let's say, direct mail versus social media versus event-based. And then he even takes the level of difference based on, you know, the city or the area. So from his perspective and then his salespeople perspective, all of those points. So the point I'm really getting to is the fact that no matter what job you're in, you should look at the analytics that uh, help you achieve your performance indicators and then use that to make adjustments um, to meet your objectives. And so it really is everybody's job, but it really does have to start at the top. The, the, the leadership team needs to set the standards, and then employees need to then set their objectives based on data and what they can achieve. Thank you very much. Dave Oxer, thoughts, please? So I agree with, uh, with both, but what I would say is I don't know that you need a data scientist. What you need to do is start out small and look for a reporting tool that provides some basic information. And as you become good at that information, you'll want to know more and more and more about the business. 
So it's better to start out and learning what data you get rather than have somebody come in and maybe provide the data that you don't need, making decisions that really are in alignment with what your goals and strategies are. So start small, get a reporting tool, and start building off of that and become your own data scientist. Thank Oh, I like that. That is a quotable moment, Mr. Oxert. That's a quotable moment. Be- that is quotable, I think, and I think Dave is completely right. Um, I don't think, especially for a small, small and mid-sized business owner, that they need to go out and hire a new person. Um, Thank you very much. Grow. Yep. Lorraine, we're just about at the crystal ball predictions round, but I did want to have you address one particular comment here. Uh, interesting. I don't think we touched on this yet. I'll just give you 60 seconds for this, and then we'll go back to Dave and start predictions. You say, with customers and prospects, digital footprint available to us through myriad touch points online, data is the name of the game. Lorraine, just give us a little expansion, please, very quickly. You know, it's funny, being in marketing, we usually say that content is king, but mm-hmm. I would tell you that really data is king because you can't even develop content without understanding your data. And it goes, uh, it really even goes back to something as simple as understanding the demographics of your customer. So that's really, you know, that's where it's going. So I, you know, any business in order to be successful, it's not just understanding what your business is, but it's understanding those particular points about profitability, number of employees, who your customer is that provides the overall agenda uh, for success. Thank you. One more comment. I I really have to have you comment on this. You say, when it comes to decision-making, we inherently want to be right. Keep any analysis simple and focused. This goes back to uh, statistics don't lie. What is it? Uh, Numbers don't lie and liars lie. I don't know. You know that one. Lorraine, how? Right. Numbers lie and liars figure. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I didn't have that right. So so just one quick comment for our SME audience. What's your advice on that one? Well, you're going to make mistakes, and, and that's where the data comes in and the analysis and the adjustments. So if we go back to my quote and, and, Damon, and Damon Johns, he's made a ton of mistakes, and he's lost millions of dollars. If anybody mm. who watches Shark Tank or, or knows his business, even about FUBU, you know, it's gone up and down because you can't always be right. However, if you use the data in those negative moments uh, as well as the positive moments, uh, it, it'll be helpful. Thank you very much. Dave, I know you are waiting to pounce on the prediction segment of the show. I can give you 60 seconds, Mr. Oxer. Hope you have your yogurt in hand. And again, shout out to Nancy, and uh, I'm, I'm glad you're helping her with the business. I'm sure it's great. Dave, take a look in the crystal ball. It could be as soon as tomorrow or any time out, let's say maximum out to 2025. What will change, if anything, about the concept of curing analysis paralysis by conquering data? Dave Oxer, 60 seconds, go. Well, let me back up by saying this is not new. This has been around for thousands and thousands of years. Data was information. Data was written. What's happening now is the data explosion with reporting tools and analytic tools and sensors is taking much, much more information to to the forefront. So I think that we're going to continue to see um, ways of gathering data, ways of capturing data, ways of presenting data, but really... I believe, and I've I've said this for years, data is truly your most valuable asset because with that data, you'll be able to make other informed decisions. As 
tape drives and, and SSD storage and HVME storage is growing at insurmountable note, um, strides, so is the data. So this is not going away, and this is really not a problem. The data capture is not a problem. It's the data analytics and knowing what you want. So mm-hmm. the more information is presented to you, make sure you have the right tools and you know the right questions to ask to make good business decisions. Thank you, Dave. And now let's turn to Nicole Laster at Brown Bag Marketing. What do you see in the prediction in the future crystal ball, Nicole? I'm very in line with what Dave was saying. I think that using data and analytics is going to become both easier and more difficult at the same time. Um, We're going to have more tools and more resources to help us analyze the data, but at the same time, we are going to be having so much more data that is being collected that I think it's going to be imperative that individuals and companies create a plan on how to harness the data and not be overcome by the analysis paralysis in the future from having so many touch points and data to reflect on. Thank you very much. Good information. And Lorraine Maurice, I saved Oh, You can have 90 seconds. They were so quick and concise, Lorraine. Go for it. Predict. Yay, me. Um, I agree with both of them on the tools and resources um, being um, available to every size business and every individual. I mean, even our credit card statements today, come. you can download spreadsheets and do an analysis of your own personal finances. Um, that's how simple it is. And so for businesses, the tools and resources available to analyze the data and capture the data are abundant. However, I also like to bring in a point uh, that people may or may or may not agree with, and that's about history repeating itself. So the mm-hmm. archiving of data and the use of data as you grow your business and you do move forward over the next five and ten years um, is critical. It's, as Dave said, it's been around forever, and it's not going away. And so to so look for those trends, the trends in business, the trends in seasonality um, are critical. I mean, you don't, you know, we sell a lot of umbrellas here in the south, you know, in the spring because it's always raining. You know, that, that's a trend. That's a data point. You know, order more umbrellas. So uh, look at those things, look at the history, and, and it'll help you predict the future. Thank you. And, you know, this reminded me of a quote. I'm thinking water, water everywhere, but not any or not a drop to drink from the rhyme of the ancient mariner, 18th century late by Samuel Taylor Coleridge. So I looked up data, data everywhere. And Lorraine, somebody uh, on the news center last September, September 25th, 2017, posted an article, data, data everywhere on the SAP news center. Extracting value from big and enterprise data is being held back by complexity. And they talk about water, water anywhere, everywhere. I knew I would find something like that. So we've got 30 seconds to close. I want to thank my three panelists. Really wonderful speaking with the three of you. Thank you for your time, your expertise, your insights, and your camaraderie. Really enjoyed this conversation. Dave Oxer at Overland Tanberg and Nancy's Yogurt, Cherry on Top, Nicole Laster at Brown Bag Marketing Give Sella a comment and a hello from us and Lorraine Maurice at SAP. Always wonderful, Lorraine. You did it, kid. You really put together a great... Chirp, chirp. Somebody is barking in the background. Here's my call to action and a thank you to Aaron, our engineer at the Business Channel. Yes, I'm talking fast. Fasten your seatbelt. Do you have data from your seatbelt? Maybe you need to check it out. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today, just like Dave Oxer, just like Nicole Laster, and of course, just like Lorraine Maurice. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Think Big, Work Small with Game Changers, presented by SAP. 
the best run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Thursdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.